Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Allow us to bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are an amazing God. And we should be overwhelmed by what you have done for us upon the cross, not only to create us, but then to look down upon your creation and say, I have a plan. My plan of salvation continues on. Not not because of us, but because of who you are. I just pray that we can continue to learn how much honor, glory, and praise the name of Jesus Christ deserves because of what, of what God has done through his only son. We pray this in his name. Amen. We're in our sermon series going through the book of 1 John. And when we think of 1 John, we want to think of 1 John like this. See, a lot of people use 1 John for other reasons, but not us. We look at the book of 1 John as being all about how we can use what John has written to test our assurance of salvation. And let me be the first to let you know. The Lord took me through a series of churches before I landed on a spot where I realized, no, you can't lose your salvation. The church I grew up in as a young man, the church I went to as a young adult taught that you could lose your salvation. But I've come to realize after further study of the Lord's word and conviction by the Holy Spirit that no, once you come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, you cannot lose your salvation. So when we look at the book of 1 John, we see just that. The opportunity for us to be confident, to have confidence in our salvation. Because when we're confident, we're more effective for the sake of the gospel. Here in Fort Myers, every February, what do we have? We have the Festival of Lights, you're right. In fact, we're proud that Thomas Edison called his second home Fort Myers. Think about that back back then. The turn of the century for Thomas Edison to come down from Orange, New York. It took him like two to three weeks to get down here. And he'd have to do the, the, the last leg of the trip down the Caloosahatchee. No air conditioning, none of that back then. A true pioneer coming down to Fort Myers. And we have now the Festival of Lights. And it's been debated as to whether or not he is the sole inventor of the incandescent light bulb, though. I didn't know that at first. My 11-year-old son had to catch me up to speed on that one. I always thought he was the sole inventor. But no, that's actually up for debate. But there is something that is not up for debate. What's not up for debate is the fact that he did receive the most credit. Now, we can all agree to that. Have you ever thought about the advantages that this invention has has provided us, though? The incandescent light bulb. Have you ever thought about the advantages that we now can appreciate because of its invention? See, the incandescent light bulb developed what we know as the modern city today. 
And for the first time, people in rural areas were drawn into urban environments in search of work. Events that were once only able to be held during the day could now be held in the evening, which then created a nightlife in these urban environments. The workday was extended. You could now have first shift, second shift, and third shift. How was all this development possible? How was it even possible? See, it's quite simple, isn't it? People could finally see places and during times of the day that they normally couldn't see prior to. Things were now illuminated. Persons, places, and things could now be illuminated anytime, anywhere. Do you know what light really does? When you, when you break down light, what it really does in its essence? When you think about it simplistically, what does light really do? See, light exposes the darkness. See, man's light is now like God's light, isn't it? Well, kind of. I mean, a little bit, but not really. But where we could compare man's light to God's light, we can say what was once unseen can now be exposed as seen. Just like you depend on man-made light to expose your doings after the sun goes down, you should be asking this question. I'm asking myself this question as I looked at this text this week. Am I depending on God's light to expose his love to others? Am I depending on the light of God to be how his love is exposed to others? See, man-made, directed light needs a reflection, doesn't it? All light needs a reflection. Hallowed lights have this huge illuminating presence behind it that directs the light in a certain direction. LED lights like you see here are directed. If you look at these lights up here, they're not all directed in the same area. They need direction. They need focus. So I ask myself, we should be asking ourselves individually, what is it that God's light reflects about me? What is it about God's light that reflects about you? That brings us to our title this morning, Living in the Light. Living in the light. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. Last week we learned that those who desire to obey the Lord know Him. We recognize that it's easiest to obey Him each day of our lives when we live like we've been saved daily. When we just live our lives like we actually have been saved it's much easier to obey him. It's not about obeying his commands, though. 
from a perfect sense. That's what it's not about. It's not about perfectly obeying the Lord's commands. We learned this last week as John spoke, but rather it's about having a desire to do so, and there's a big difference. If we think we can obey his commands perfectly, we're fooling ourselves. It's more about our desire, our wanting every day to obey his commands. And this is because we understand that Jesus has refreshed a new idea that's actually old. And that idea that I'm talking about is love. Jesus has refreshed anew the old idea of love. And before Christ, we didn't know that that was true. And as we think about that, it's the perfect obedience of Jesus going to the cross that has given us the freedom to obey God in the first place. Without Christ going to the cross for our sin, we wouldn't even have the opportunity to obey God. So we need to think of it like this. To obey God is a privilege. Let's take a look at our text this morning. Starting with verse 7, 1 John chapter 2, verse 7 through 11. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Amen. When we look at these verses this morning, we want to throw them into this one simple sentence, and that sentence is this. A desire to love others produces confidence that our salvation is guaranteed. Because remember, when we look at 1 John, we want to look at the book as being written to reassure you or give you an ability to test the guarantee of your salvation. So a desire to love others produces confidence that our salvation is guaranteed. Now with that being said, the question we're asking of the text this morning is this. How do we know if we truly desire to love others? How do we know if it's true? How do we know if it's genuine? How do we know if we truly desire to love others? See, we know we truly desire to love others when we know that our love for others is really a reflection of our love of God. It's only when we know that our love for others is really a reflection of our love for God. Remember, light does need to be reflected and directed. Some of you know who this is. This goes all the way back to the Super Bowl one season, Bart Starr. Green Bay Packers, as a loyal Chicago Bears fan, 
not a fan of anything Green Bay. But nevertheless, here's Bart Starr for you. Super Bowl one, Bart Starr, great quarterback, wasn't he? That same year, he had an incentive for his son, Bart Jr. See, Bart Starr wanted his son, Bart Jr., to achieve great scores. So he said to him back in 1967, he said, Bart Jr., for every 100 that you bring home from school, I will give you 10 cents, a dime. Now, I know some of you young ones right now are thinking, 10 cents? If you adjust it for inflation, it's just below a dollar. It's about 75 cents today. And if you do well in school, that adds up. That same season, Bart Starr had a really poor game against St. Louis. In fact, he was rather disappointed. And he had a long flight home. He was beaten, he was battered, and he didn't perform so well. But upon getting home, Bart got in bed that evening and noticed that there was a note on his pillow. And the note read this. It said, Dear Dad, I thought you played a great game. Love, Bart Jr. Taped to that letter were two dimes. <laughs> now we chuckle. But church, this is reminiscent of God's love for us. Even when you don't perform well, God still loves you. Do you know what the problem is? Do you know what our problem is? Do you want to know what the world's problem is? We don't define love accurately. We're inaccurate in our definition of love. See, we think love is a feeling. We think love is an emotion. When we think along these lines, we have it all wrong. You know why? Because love, each and every day, is a decision. God has decided to love us. He is consistent in that decision. And he is forthright. He will not falter in that decision. Let's look at verses 7 and 8 again. Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Again, let's look at where it says right here. John says, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have heard from the beginning. See, this is a play on words. How do we know that this is true? We know that this is true because the commandment itself is still the same. It's like getting a new pair of shoes because your old shoes wore out. The new shoes are still shoes. They're just new and the old ones are old. And the only reason why you got new shoes is because the old ones wore out. And I know that illustration's terrible for some of you husbands because you're saying to yourself, that's not why my wife gets new shoes. <laughs> so the question is, what's the new commandment? What is this new commandment that's really still the same old commandment? This new commandment that's the old commandment is love. This same Commandment comes from our verses from last week, verses 5 and 6. 
And you can go back in your Bibles and look if you want to. But it comes from 1 John chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. See, love is nothing new. Even in the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus tells us to love one another. God's love for us isn't motivated by emotions, though. God's love for us has been a decision from the beginning. So what's new about this same commandment of love? How come this is all of a sudden this new commandment? It's the difference between what happened between Leviticus and what's happening right here in 1 John. That's what makes this commandment new. See, we now have new power to fulfill this commandment. What or who is the power to fulfill the commandment to love then? It's the who. It's the him. The Holy Spirit. Once you come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit immediately takes up residence in your heart. Look at the end of verse 7. The word that you have heard, John writes. You've heard that you need to love like Jesus. We've all heard that. If you heard somebody say that, you would say, yes, that sounds right. We know that we need to love like Jesus. But when was the last time somebody asked you, how are you doing learning how to love like Jesus? We learn best in Christian fellowship together. And you wonder why we're pushing life groups. You've heard me say this before. We're good at gathering here on Sunday morning. We've proven that. So what's next? How can we continue to grow? We need to be in fellowship together. So, how are you doing as it pertains to learning? The same way it's all about our desire to obey God's commands, not about being perfect. How are you doing as it pertains to learning? And, and I hope that you've figured it out by now that loving like Jesus doesn't come natural and it doesn't happen immediately, now does it? However, even with that being said, there is some good news. He has placed his spirit in our heart to help us learn how to do so. So why is this so important for us? Why should we look at this and say, this is important for me? This is important for me in my personal walk with the Lord. Take a look at the end of verse 8. John writes, because the darkness is passing away and the light is already shining. Because the darkness is passing away. No amount of Thomas Edison invented incandescent light bulbs can illuminate this world forever. The only light that shines forever is what God did through Jesus Christ. It's the love of God that continues on until eternity. When we love others with the fresh love of Jesus Christ, you know what happens? 
When we're all about loving people with the fresh love of Jesus Christ, one thing will happen guaranteed. People will get saved. As this world is passing away, God is choosing to use you to share his good news of salvation through Jesus Christ for hell-deserving sinners. When we choose to love others, when we choose to make the decision to love others, we reveal who has possession of our heart. When people see that Jesus owns our heart, they will get saved. It's the greatest form of evangelism that we have. To allow His Holy Spirit's work to shine through us because we're making the decision to love others. And this world doesn't understand the definition of love, doesn't it? This world thinks love is all about whatever equates to happiness. My own personal happiness. This world thinks, well, well love is, is about whatever it is I can do or, or think or emotionally conjure up in my own mind to, to make me happy. This world thinks that we are free to love according to our own personal definition of what we think love is. But do you know what? This world doesn't know Jesus. And his true light is already shining. This world doesn't know that. This world doesn't know that salvation has been revealed through Jesus. A eternal salvation we should be confident in. See, we've just been left behind to show and tell others about Jesus. That's why we're here. That's the age we're in. This is the church age. In the Old Testament, going back to Leviticus, they didn't have this portion revealed to them. At this stage in the game, we have the revelation of salvation revealed to us, and now we know this truth so the Lord can use us to share this truth with others. And that's the reason why Villa's Grace wants to be a church that's positioned well, well positioned going forward together with this message. Not with the message of self-love, but with the message of love as a decision in the way in which God shows to love us no matter what. Two nickels to everybody, even when you don't perform your best game. Did I say nickels? I meant dimes. Sold you short already. But it's also why we're saying this. A desire to love others produces confidence that our salvation is guaranteed. A desire to love others produces confidence that our salvation is guaranteed. It's why we're asking this question this morning. How do we know if we truly desire to love others? If you're asking yourself that question, if you're struggling, do I really desire to love others? You can pit it against this by knowing that our love for others is really just a reflection of our love for God. By knowing that our love for others is really just a reflection of our love for God. I cut my teeth in a blue-collar barber shop back in northern Indiana, a small town called Warsaw, orthopedic capital of the world. Some of you here actually are from there. Some of you have lived there. You guys know. The barber shop had a beautiful view right across the street of some train tracks that would 
help us line up our flat tops because the, the train tracks were right there. Sometimes the, the trains would stop and, and stay there for weeks on end, blocking our view of a beautiful foundry. Dalton Foundry is a gorgeous foundry. No, I'm joking. It's not. They make manhole covers. Provides awesome jobs, though. But this shop I worked in, bunch of jokesters. Bunch of jokesters. Actually, Barbara Herm. Barbara Hermansky. We call him Hermansky. He wasn't Polish, but we called him, we called him Hermansky. He had quite the sense of humor. He spent his winter months in Tucson, Arizona, and decided to help me when I first became a barber there in my early 20s to help decorate my back bar. Your back bar is where your sink is and all, all, all like your, your cutting shears to be technical, but scissors, combs, all that stuff, mirror. And this is basically what he gave me. This is a, a replica of the postcard. Uh, it was pitch black just like this, and it said, Tucson at night. This is where Herm did his vacationing. See, the, the problem with, with this is when it's pitch black, where are you going? Do you even know where you're going? No, you're going nowhere. You're heading absolutely nowhere when it's pitch black like this. And speaking of, of going nowhere, let me read to you this quote from Alex Haley, the author of the book Roots. Some of you maybe have read the book Roots. This is a profound quote. Hate at its best will distort you. At its worst, it will destroy you. But it will always immobilize you. Let's look at verses 9 and 11 again. Or 9 through 11. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So do these three verses indicate that we have to be best friends with everybody? Is that what you're taking from this? No. You don't have to be best friends with everybody. But what is indicated by these three verses is that you cannot have it both ways. Either you are in the light, loving others, heading somewhere, or in the darkness, immobilized, going nowhere. See, loving others only to get something out of it for yourself is not love. That's called just being nice to get what you want. That's called being nice with an ulterior motive. Our desire should be for the well-being of another person. What's the motivating factor for this attitude then in our lives? Go back to last week. Our desire to obey God. That should be our motivating factor. See, our desire to love others is the same as our desire to obey God. So what does our desire to obey God produce? When we have a desire to obey God, it produces a confidence in our salvation. Do you notice anything interesting about these three verses, though? When you look at these three verses, do you notice anything a little interesting? Who are we either loving or hating? 
according to these three verses. Either we're loving or hating our brother. The term brother is limited to other Christians. Do you recognize what the problem is? This isn't talking about non-Christians. Are we to love non-Christians? Yes, but these verses are not talking about non-believers. These verses are talking about fellow believers. So do you recognize what the problem is? We got a big problem on our hands. That problem is this. Some of our most difficult relationships will be with other fellow believers within our local church. Some of your most difficult relationships will be within the life groups that you signed up for here at Villa's Grace. God's asking you, obey me, make the decision to love them. Who's our model? Him. As he chose to love us through who? Jesus. If you're focused on loving God and loving others, it says here, there is no cause for stumbling. No cause for stumbling. Do you know what this is really telling us? And I hate saying this and I wish this wasn't true, but you know what this is really telling us? When we see this here where it says there is no cause for stumbling, this is really telling us knowing that some of our most difficult relationships will be with other believers within the local church. But it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody in the local church is a believer. Therefore, not everyone in the church has come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Don't fool yourself. Don't think that everybody that shows up here is saved. We are not here to judge other salvation, though. That's not our job. Our job isn't to determine whether or not somebody else is saved. That's not where we go. And that's not the type of church culture that we want to have here at Villa's Grace. But however, be warned that there are those among us who are not. And more importantly, ask yourself the question, do I have a desire to obey God regardless? Do you have a desire to love other Christians? And if you do, then you need to be confident in what God has done for your eternal future through Jesus Christ. If you can learn to love others in here, then it's going to be a breeze loving people out there. Why is this statement true? I mean, seriously, if you can learn to love others within the local church, it should be easy to love others outside the local church. The reason why that statement makes sense is because if you're in here, you have no excuse if you're in here, you know your sinfulness. You know your need for Christ. And sometimes as humans, it's hard for us when other believers sin against us for us to want to love them anyway. It should be easy for us to love those who have no idea who Jesus is, who don't even know that they're sinful in need of a Savior. But when you're confident in your salvation, do you know what God wants to do? And what God can only do if you're actually confident in the fact that you're saved? He wants to use you to advance his kingdom. He wants to use you to share his good news of salvation. See, if, if you're living your life worried whether or not you're saved, 
then you're just living for yourself and what you can do to please God. But last time I checked, I think the good news tells me that it's all about this gift of salvation that the Lord has given me through my faith, which my faith, therefore, is a gift in Jesus Christ and what he has done upon the cross. And if I'm worried about living my life in such a way that I may lose my salvation, that it might be stripped from me, what good am I? with the Lord using me as it pertains to advancing his kingdom forward. I can only be used effectively if I'm confident in what Jesus Christ has done for me. That's why we say it's not about perfectly obeying his commands. And last week, it's about having a desire to obey his commands. And that's why today we're focusing on the fact that it's all about learning. Not thinking that we have it all figured out yet, but we're learning. We have a desire to learn how to live in the light. We have a desire, when we translate that, to learn how to love others, to make that decision, to know it's not an emotionally charged feeling. So as I call Mike up this morning, I would like to reflect as to where you are in your confidence personally. Just reflect to yourself. Where are you in your confidence of salvation? Maybe you're struggling to obediently love another individual currently in your life. Maybe you are. Maybe you are confident in your salvation, but you know that this one situation needs to be addressed. That can happen as well. Just because you're confident in your salvation doesn't mean you're obediently, currently loving everybody the way in which the Lord is asking you to. Ask yourself this question. Is the love as revealed by Jesus fresh to me? Is it fresh? Is this new commandment that was once old now new? Is that fresh? Ask yourself, is my desire to love others because I want to obey God? If so, you can be confident. You can be confident that your salvation is guaranteed. But let's take a brief moment to bow our heads and just pray individually to the Lord. for us upon the cross through Jesus. It is because of his work that we can even know what true love is. Amazingly, amazingly, Lord, despite, despite what happened all the way back in the garden, you have remained committed to your decision to love your creation. I pray that we can be a church that moves forward with that message only hope of a future. Pray all this in Christ's name who makes this possible. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email. 
connect at villasgrace.com.